You start. You're the famous one. Uh, welcome, everyone, to Sister Time Podcast. Sister Time Podcast! That's my sister. <laughs> Her name is Maddie. On okay. today's Sister Time Podcast, we will be discussing the classic children's film series, Josh Kirby Time Warrior. Yeah, it's really classic. Then I play the theme. I was just a 14-year-old kid before my adventure began. But now, I'm Josh Kirby, Time Warrior. Yeah, basically the premise of this whole podcast we've decided is shows from your past that you're pretty sure no one else has ever seen like we're pretty confident that there's not a single other human who's ever seen josh kirby time warrior um, on twitter there were two people probably two people mostly they're just like oh my god this is a real thing on all of twitter it. like to the whole twitter well all of my twelve thousand some followers twelve thousand people and only two people admit to knowing so I that feel is. like this is basically I admit just... to knowing, because it is shameful. So, uh, who even are we? Let right. us introduce each other. Maddie, you go first. Okay, great. Abby Howard, my sister, was born during a thunderstorm, the seventh son of a seventh son. She went through a memorable phase where she, she was convinced that she was a werewolf. She lives in Seattle and draws for a living somehow, and she supports an evil cat who will almost certainly survive her and eat her corpse. Maddie Howard is a copywriter and fierce mountain warrior woman with a degree in linguistics from Fancy Pants Real School, a.k.a. Georgetown. She currently lives in Boston, Massachusetts, but dreams of the beautiful wilderness and owning a goat, maybe. When we are old spinster lady is living in the creepy house at the end of the block, she is not allowed to own a goat. Her interests include telling me my cat is bad and not bathing. Your cat is definitely bad. Like, this is like... My cat is perfect, and you don't even know. You know what? Just because she pooped near your head one time. Doesn't Not one time. Anything. She habitually pooped near my head. I was, like, sleeping on Abby's floor for a brief period anyway, of time. Anyway, <laughs> we don't have to talk about how bad my cat may or may not be. <laughs> We're here to talk about Josh Kirby, Josh Time Kirby, Warrior. Time Warrior. <laughs> when would we have watched this show last, Abby? Oh, boy. 90s? Probably like maybe yeah, like I would have been really young. You would have been even younger, and we saw it on like a series of VHSs that I don't think even were like released. Like I think they just they, they were, we found them in the video store. I remember going to the video store very fondly. Really? How do you remember <laughs> the video it. store? I don't remember any of it. I don't know how we even stumbled across this. Like, did some strange peddler man come to our door and sell <laughs> these VHSs to our parents? Like, okay, you know, I remember the peddler man. What a great guy that was. <laughs> you just remember so, everything. Is that what this podcast is going to be? Is you remember our childhood and I don't? Josh Kirby Time Warrior is right. brought to you by Full Moon Entertainment, who also brought us such classic children's films as Puppet Master and The Reanimator. It is the tale of a mom jeans wearing teens journey through space and time and self-discovery. That's a good summary. That's that's basically okay. right, yeah. yeah. So the characters are... Josh Kirby, of course. Uh-huh. Who Mom's is, uh, 15 years uh, old? 14. 14. I'm sorry. He's 14. How dare you? I'm sorry. Didn't you watch this series? <laughs> I mentioned it so often in every 
So the beginning of every episode is about 15 minutes of recaps and the theme song, which appears to be just a bunch of recaps split together of all the movies. So it's like half an hour of each episode is basically just devoted to the episodes surrounding it. Because the end is also another 15 minutes of this is what you get next time. And then they tell you everything, including all the twists. So like, the other characters are Erwin1138, who is some guy from the future who is kind of a dick. That's it. He's a guy from the future. He's really smart. Abby, you're leaving out all the important parts. Like, okay, he's only the second smartest man in whatever 20th century he comes from. 25th? The first, the first smartest man from that time is Zoetrope366, who is very hot, also an <laughs> asshole, yeah. has time armor. Look, this guy is obviously the cool one, and no wonder 1138 is such an asshole, because he has this to live up to. Right. He's some old white this guy. This super hot you know. mecha warrior. Yep. Trying to save the universe. Whoops, sorry. Did I let that slip? Oh my god. Oh no. I I just revealed He's not. No. Don't worry, guys. He's He's the bad guy. He's totally the bad guy. Yep. Another character is Azabeth Siege, who shows up in the first one. She's kind of she's Xena, basically. Yeah. But teen Xena. Teen Teenza. Teenza. Fuck. No. no, Tina. Zine Teen. No, let's let's move on from this <laughs> mistake. Anyway, she is awesome and rad. And Prism. Prism. Who is a thing. Uh, hideous. Supposed <laughs> to be cute. They failed miserably at it. Yeah. He's supposed it to be like horrible the cute, adorable sidekick animal yeah. alien. Animal sidekick. Yeah. You need one. But they really should not have done this. No, it, it was, was a mistake. mistake. At the beginning... Erwin is trying to send these pieces of the the nullifier, nullifier components, as they call them, through time and space in order to keep them all apart and save, wait, in order to keep them all separate from each other so they can't be assembled and nullify the universe. Or because whatever. the nullifier is basically like a giant destructor machine from an unknown alien civilization. Yes, and Zoetrope really wants to put it together. Because and he's the bad guy, about it, quote unquote. Because he's awful. He wants to destroy the entire universe mm-hmm. and all space-time forever. Prism is able to sense when the nullifier components are around, and that is why he is here at all, because he glows when it happens. But also he just glows sometimes. Yeah. Really, they don't keep it consistent. Well, you know what he's made out of is one of those lamps that's like the fiber optic lamps that were so big in like the 90s, the ones that like oh, the yeah. tips of them. It's very hip. Yeah, like it's like his head just has like one of those installed in it. He also, like, floats, and he makes horrible tiny animal sounds. Constantly. All the time. he's there, the sounds are happening. Yeah. It's like, an, but it's not like a normal, like, happy hamster sound. It's like there's a hamster that's escaped, and it's eating something really close to your head, and you're not sure where <laughs> it is. Like, that's kind of, like, what prison sounds like. And also, you can teleport, but only when it's convenient. Right. When it's inconvenient, of course not. He can't. And it's never mentioned why not. He just can't. He just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It's like the time turner. No one can adequately explain why Prism doesn't just do stuff. (laughs) Why doesn't... Honestly, by the end of the series, you're like, wait, Prism could have stopped this whole thing. So, the first installment of six. Episode one, Planet of the Dino Knights. Josh Kirby, normal teen, in 1995, is transported with mad future scientist Erwin1138 and his weird pet monster prism back to medieval times, but with claymation dinosaurs. In this one, we meet our protagonist as he is racing himself on his bike. 
Because he has no friends. No friends. Because he's just, it's just him and his dad. Except one. No mom, of course. Which is very sad. Yes. (laughs) A moment of silence for Josh Kirby's mom. (laughs) Josh Kirby's dead mom. <laughs> and Josh Kirby's friendless, sad existence. Where yeah, he so his life his basically bike. like super, super sucks. Except for he has a crush on who does he have a crush on? Abby Cordelia from Buffy. Yes, Charisma from Carpenter, teenager from 1995, is in this. Yeah, <laughs> and just like she was in every single other thing. Like I think that's probably the only way that we can tell that Josh Kirby isn't just like a hallucination that me and Abby shared <laughs> when we were kids. Is Charisma Carpenter was in it? A real celebrity was in it. So there's just, like, that's got to exist on our IMDb profile somehow. So basically, he has to somehow, you know, overcome his normal teenness to fight these dinosaurs and save this village from an evil baron. Um, (laughs) So what do we learn in this episode, Abby? Uh, We learn... What do we learn? We learn that rape is wrong! Oh. (laughs) I Well, I mean, I guess I already knew that, so I didn't learn much from it. Right, I guess not. The deal is that Azabeth gets kidnapped by the evil Baron, of course, and she's pretty pissed off about it, and there's just this whole thing where it's like, if you don't sleep with me, I will have you murdered in the morning. But it goes to a pretty deep place, this episode. And of course, he has his weird concubine, who, clearly, the relationship started out much the same, and now he is totally done with her, and she's like, well, I'm a noble lady, like, I have a great place, because she's, of course, quite jealous of Azabeth. And then she realizes that she has been the prisoner all along with the help of Azabeth, who is like, this is fucked up. And she's like, oh, whoa, you're right. This is fucked up. I should be more independent than this. This is awful that's happened to me. So really, this is a pretty feminist episode of Josh Kirby Time Warrior. Yep. I'm we learn, it. like, you know, women are prisoners of the patriarchy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that you can fight like Xena to get out of it, the patriarchy. We also yes. learn that you can use dinosaurs to defeat the patriarchy. Yeah, um, stab them with your dinosaur horns. Right. And then, Perfect. of course, this episode just kind of, like, ends in the middle of the whole fight, though. So, really, like, all we really establish is that Josh Kirby is kind of awesome, realistically. Like, the whole episode, I'm kind of, like, on Josh Kirby's side the whole time. Like, I mean, I he, guess so. Like We're this, on his side. He doesn't one. do a whole lot. The thing that I love about Josh Kirby is that he never whines. Like, he's transported back all the way in time. So. He never knows if he's going to get back home. And what does he do? He makes the best of a bad situation. You know, he's just like, he, like, fights people with a sword. He's like, oh my god, look, I know how the Trianosaurus, I mean, uh, fuck, the Triceratops works. Like, I can, like, feed it apples and get it to come and fight for you. Also, like, how realistic is it that someone could get onto the back of a Triceratops and, like have a lance fight with someone on the back of a T-Rex? Uh, I, I really don't think that's quite accurate. <laughs> it's my professional opinion as an ex-student. Right. But, I mean, I don't know, if it was super weak from eating apples all the time and not real food for Triceratops, then right. it could just be like, you know what, whatever, fine, I'm dying. And the T-Rex is just like, I'm also dying, what do we do? And then, Right, so it's really know. like a suicide pact. They're just like, we're both dying. Let's just end it for each other. It's like right, if we were yeah. teleported to some time where it's super cold and there's no food and everything yeah. keeps trying to get on us and we're just like, <laughs> all right, fine, God, we're going to die here anyway. If you had the chance, would you fight on the back of a dinosaur? Yes, Wow, obviously. you answered that pretty quickly. Are you sure? What if it just turns around and eats you instead? So what? I got to touch a dinosaur. <laughs> okay, next So episode. that's the important takeaway for this episode. Right. 
The next episode is Josh Kirby and the Human Pets. Josh Kirby wins the day in Dino Night Land because the first 40 minutes of this episode is still Dino Nights. Then gets kidnapped along with a bunch of time-displaced strangers as pets to a giant alien child. We have such time-displaced strangers as a guy from the Western times of the United States and a guy who is a fighter pilot in Germany. Yeah, this was the first episode where I sort of got this inkling that maybe this show was first conceived as, like, try to make history exciting for kids. But they were not good at it, because I don't think they did any research. I think they did very little. Like, it was super unclear, like, whether the fighter pilot was supposed to be from World War I or World War II, and he was German, so if he's from World War II, that seems like it's really relevant information. Yeah. And of course, they all fight amongst each other. Especially when the child sets them against each other in a death match, which Azabeth, of course, is like, well, all right, because this is what her life is. Right. Because we Azabeth find out in this like, episode that she is from a slave planet, and her whole people, who are apparently not human, they have weird ears or something. So, of course, they're horrible and uh, must be enslaved. Yeah, weird ears are unacceptable. Yep, she's an alien freak. She's yep. disgusting. How could anyone love her? <laughs> So, yes, they fight each other. Like, basically, the alien child puts them in a little weird death arena on his playroom floor, and they have to try and kill each other with the weapons that they brought with them from other times. They don't actually kill each other, which is good. I think they're going for some kind of, like, look at all of these interesting characters from history. Don't you want to pick up a book and learn more? (sighs) No, they should have, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, so near the end of this episode, they find that uh, the Time Pod will not carry all of these humans in it. So these guys are just kind of shit out of luck. And they're like, well, I guess we'll just fly around this time in this Red Baron guy's airplane. No, they're like super enthusiastic about it, which is what I think is really interesting about this episode. They're like, is- we're explorers. Right. They're like, oh, no, we absolutely want to go off and learn more about this exciting alien world. And it's like... Really? Because I think you just got, like, nearly killed by this giant monster child. Like, and there's a they... giant spider in this episode, too. Oh, This seems like a terrible spider? place. It does. It seems really bad. Like, it seems like you would want to get out of it. Also, like, they have an airplane. Anyway, so... but they just embraced it, and they're like, this is our fate, so I guess might as well get excited about it. They're gonna yeah. run out of food, though. No way these alien things eat enough, or, like, eat the same kind of food as humans. So given the opportunity... If you could just go and live on an alien planet and explore it, or you could just, like, stay at home and, like, eat crackers in your underwear all day, which one would you rather do? I don't think I would be able to survive on the alien planet for very long. What if you could? This is Earth, though. Like, this human pets planet is Earth somehow in the future or whatever, because they're always on Earth. It's just time-weird Earth, so the time stream is all fucked up. Right. And so the idea is that later on, like, three million years in the future or whatever, these giant aliens land on Earth... And like, or take our, over. our evolutionary ancestors. But personally, I would not want to be in that future. I would want to go back to my couch and eat crackers and draw comics. Okay. I like to draw comics. I like the safety of my time bubble. Thank you. <laughs> you would. You would. If we go so too far in the future, bored. I feel useless. I'm just like, wow, no, everything from my time is gone. All of our accomplishments were nothing and meaningless. Why would I want that when I can live in the safety of this nice little time? And be like, yes, all of our accomplishments are important and will be remembered forever. The sun will definitely not blow up and kill all of us and make everything void. And that is an excellent segue into the next episode, which also is a bleak future (laughs) Earth. 
Josh Kirby, trapped on Toy World. Josh Kirby is accidentally dropped in a future Earth populated with sentient toys. Discovers that he is a time warrior. This episode deals with some uh, pretty heavy stuff. It's pretty heavy. Because the it's, previous episodes were pretty lighthearted, talking about rape and everything. Yeah, but this one gets really fucking hardcore. <laughs> like, there, I basically described it to my friends as if that toy-making guy in Blade Runner were the only guy left alive on Earth. So this guy, we find out in this episode, uh, the reason why he lives in this, there's only one human left, Geppetto, and he has created a bunch of toys to keep him company, and they all have fun together, and they look horrifying because the budget was so low. <laughs> So apparently many years ago, there was a huge war, and people would make robots to go and fight the war for them. And uh, Geppetto, he made the best robots. Or as he says, I made the best toys. So he is the only one left alive in because the Because his, his toys that he built literally killed every other human being. And they're walking through this nightmare forest, as he calls it, where the toys are not allowed to go. And Josh just like, ah, oh, man, look at all these cool, like pieces lying around we could totally make a thing to like fight zoetrope and he's just like josh this is a graveyard dun, 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 dun. also we deal with android love uh annie the toy really likes josh because he looks so hip and cool in his mom jeans and 90s hair but can she really feel love she is a toy and he is a human and of course this is also the episode where we learn that josh kirby has special powers yeah, Zoetrope goes to him and is super hot in his skin-tight clothes with tubes yeah. in it, meaning he probably pees in that suit. So uh, Zoetrope says, hey kid, you're a time warrior. That means you can do whatever. I don't really know. Bunch of yeah, stuff, Yeah, it's really kind of unclear what the time warrior powers entail, but it seems kind of like you can... Anything related to time. You're basically a god. Yeah. But it does have a time limit. You have to, like, recharge for 12 hours. Yeah. And then you can use your powers again. So you can use them to, like age the bars on a steel cage so they get all rusted and he can like escape with his friends or you can but... use them to somehow power a radio the, yeah not clear look he can do anything he has god powers now right but he only has them once every 12 hours you can only use them for one thing so at least they do limit the god powers something you get a lot with god powered people is people just they go crazy with it and they have too many powers and the character is so overpowered that it's like anything could be changed at any moment. But they right. never do, and it's like, well, this person could have changed this. And you can never logically come up with an answer for why the person would not just use their god powers all the time to make the world their place to live. Right. So this is their good. Like, place. they've basically built a really great character in Josh Kirby. Like, I am 100% a Josh Kirby fan. I think he is, like, smart and neat and cool and, like, he's courageous and he cares about other human beings. Sorry. Sorry, that this is getting out of hand, <laughs> but <laughs> I do really like him. That's the that's the only important part. But I also think one of the major takeaways of this episode, the Toy World episode in particular, is pacifism. Like they're talking a lot ah. about like, is it ever appropriate to fight people? Because of course Zoetrope comes and he has all these weapons, but they have to do something. So of course they fight with pies, and they're like, Nah, this will totally work. It's fine. Right? Yeah. Don't use weapons. Josh Kirby's like, sometimes there are things worth fighting for. And it's just kind of like, oh. wow, Josh, like, you're standing up for your beliefs. Like, I, you know. <laughs> Sorry, wow, this is turning into, like, how much does Maddie love Josh Kirby in 20 minutes? <laughs> so, next episode, eggs from 70 million BC. This episode... <sighs> well, here's no, the summary I... of this episode. 
prehistoric worms compromise the time pod, which crash lands on Azabeth's homeworld, where they're very unwelcome. So the deal with Azabeth's homeworld is humans are evil because humans enslave Azabeth's people. And Azabeth is, like, kind of a big deal over there. She's, like, cool and hardcore and stuff. And when she comes back, we find that she has been changed, though. We find that she is okay with these humans, while everyone else just, like, uh, kill them immediately, of course. Because she's met the awesome Josh Kirby, of course. Of course, yes. changed her opinion of humans. A stellar example of human awesomeness. Yep. And now she, in fact, renounces her god in this episode. Because the entire time she has been, like, spouting off this code of Kang, and Kang is, like, their god. The person they look up to is, like, the example of the best, and all of his codes are correct and awesome. And she's just like, how? How can you let us suffer? Hold on, I have the quote. I hate you, blast you, cold and uncaring, while those who follow your codes stand at the brink of ruin and death. Like, what? Excuse me? This is definitely her, like, Lady Macbeth moment. Well, but but the good version of Lady Macbeth. Right. And so the whole thing is, like, sort of in the context of this religious extremism that this planet is in the grip of, where yep. they just, like, follow these codes mindlessly, which is another thing that's just kind of like, so the message of the episode before this was something about, like, peace, pacifism, like, can you ever, like, fight someone? Is it appropriate? And this is just all about, like, what if you just follow this code mindlessly without thinking? Like, is that any way to live? This show yep. is, like, super deep. <laughs> and, of course, in this episode, for the entire episode, they're under siege by the slaver who wants to break in and enslave everyone. And is super creepy to Azabeth, of course, because she's a girl. And then there's all of this Azabeth love triangle where there's, Oh, course, yeah. She yeah. was betrothed to this captain or a high general or something. But then she winds up being like, hey, or she wants them to listen to the humans because Josh Kirby, of course, has a really good idea or whatever, using these eggs from 70 million BC, which hatched into these horrible metal-eating worms that suck and look awful. <laughs> so she challenges her betrothed to a death match, which is how they settle things on this planet, of course. But she doesn't kill him because she is cool and has been changed. And then she becomes kind of like this rebel force among her people where they all then look to her to kind of see what they should do next because this is just like yeah. untouched territory. So he is, of course, like totally shamed and is like, ah, I can't go on being general and she's like oh my god suck it up oh my god please he's like i've seen the way that you look at josh kirby i know what you really (laughs) think and she's just like do you think that like she's just like our people are at war we need to fight this battle or else i'm not gonna get to choose somebody get your shit together and do your job is pretty much what she says which azabeth is amazing azabeth's pretty rad i would be her friend and then, of course, uh, when he returns to his people, she's just like, they do a salute, and she is the first one to salute, and then everybody looks to her and then salutes. I think that was awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So just, this whole episode such a was leader. pretty much just like, Azabeth rocks. Yeah. Azabeth makes awesome choices. Cool. And then and they then... defeat the slaver and turn him into a baby or whatever, with oh, Josh's right. time powers. <laughs> yeah, they turn that guy into a baby, and then it's just kind of like, is he still <laughs> evil? Like, is he like a human brain in this baby body? Who knows yeah. if they're going to kill this baby? <laughs> Will they kill the baby? I feel like they're like this warrior culture. Like it kind of makes sense for them that to baby. kill the baby. <laughs> well, they don't talk about that because then they're immediately teleported to Mushroom Kingdom. Right. So the fourth, fifth episode in this series is what's it called? It's like Journey to the Hidden Cavern. We but... could not find this. <laughs> 
it was like, very difficult to find these as it was because I could only get most of them on DVD, so I had to actually purchase them with real money. One of them was on Amazon Prime, thank God. But then this one, the only available copy, was a horrible YouTube version where someone just filmed their TV, like a bad VHS on their TV. Luckily, so, uh, <laughs> due to the 15-minute uh, recap and end cap on every episode, you can basically figure out what happens in this one, which is that Azabeth, for some reason, decides to take a bite out of a giant living mushroom. She just runs up. This mushroom has clothes on. It doesn't have its eyes open, but it clearly has a face, and she just bites it and is like, yeah, mushrooms, I'm into this. And then she suddenly starts feeling kind of funny and fuzzy and weird, and it's like, yes, of course, you ate a strange mushroom on on an alien planet. Like, yes, you are going to get sick from that. But yeah, so she gets sick and weird, and then Josh Kirby has to use his Time Warrior powers to, like, save her. That's, like, basically what you can piece together from this episode. The last episode of Josh Kirby Time Warrior. Last Final battle, battle for the, for the universe. universe. Oh, wait, fuck. Is it oh, last battle? Last? Fuck, what? So, I have the DVD. Last here. battle for the universe. The main point of this one is that Josh Kirby returns home, but a little earlier than expected. And he oh. must use his Time Warrior powers to stop Erwin 1138 from being a dick all over the universe. Now, it was heavily implied throughout this entire series. They tried to keep it a secret, but it was not a secret. Zoetrope is not the bad guy. Erwin 1138 is a huge dick and really wants to be the best. He is not really evil. And no one is actually evil, which is amazing. Like, that is not something you find a lot in children's entertainment. They're not good at gray areas. Zoetrope is an asshole. He's not a totally good person. So it really is easy to imagine him as a villain because he's just, like, so full of himself that it is just horrible to yeah. hear him speak. Erwin 1138 lacks so much confidence and is like so insecure with himself that he really wants to do a good job and seem like the smartest person ever, so he wants to side with the dictator to keep his job, basically. We find out in this episode the nullifier does not destroy the universe, it just destroys the decimator, which is another evil thing that Erwin discovered that this evil dictator has been using to I guess kill one in ten people every time something bad happens, or every time they do something he doesn't like. Yeah. So the nullifier would get rid of that and destroy all of its effect on the future. So uh, there's this really memorable line in this one, which is when Azabeth turns to Zoetrope when they're both like trapped on Earth, Josh Kirby's home time, and she says, I wish you were still the villain so I could just hate you. Because (laughs) you can't really hate anybody on this show. Like, nobody is the bad guy. Everybody's just like confused and muddled and like trying to make things work the best way they can, just like real life. So they're trapped in this 1980s time, which happens to be, and this is like, I think the crux of this show, Josh Kirby's mom is still alive in 1980. When he walks in and sees her, it's a really bad kid show, but man, they do a good job with that moment. The actor does an excellent job of looking like he is a kid who has seen his mom for the first time in his life. And she turns around because he says her name like really loud, or he says mom really loud, and she turns around. Like, she can sense that he's there, and they make oh, eye contact. Oh, we should have mentioned they were invisible. Oh, right, they're invisible. Sorry. <laughs> so, they are invisible now because of magic time things. Right, exactly. No one can see them. It's not important. They're just invisible. So, the mom, so his mom can't see him back, and they can't have a conversation. And it's really moving. Like, it's really sad. There's um, a part where he watches her with baby him, who also exists in this time, which is strange. It seems like that shouldn't be a thing. But... <laughs> Uh, he watches her with himself as a child, and she's like saying, "You're going to be a good person," and that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, it's oh, oh it's heart wrenching. 
And then you sort of think, like, well, maybe they sent him back to this time in this show, and she's gonna, like, come back. Like, oh. he's gonna somehow save her. Like, I was thinking the whole <laughs> time, like, he's gonna, like, push the car out of the way they killed her, or, like, something. But that doesn't no. happen. She just dies. <laughs> we don't know how she died, either. It's just kind of like, well, she died, and even though he has time powers, yes, she is still dead. Yeah. However, he does save himself as a baby, so that's, that's you know. That's kind of weird. Like, his baby self is, like, climbing over towards the stairs and like looks like maybe it's gonna fall down oh my god and he catches himself as a child even though he's invisible apparently they can still touch things but they can't be heard which doesn't make sense physics wise (laughs) trust me i took one physics course in university so i'm an expert but i think this episode is also where we like get the best of josh kirby like as a human because he has this whole scene with azabeth where he figures out that he can solve the whole thing like his time warrior powers he can fix the whole universe but he's going to wipe out the time-like path that they've been following. He'll be fine, but Azabeth is going to kind of, like, blip out of existence. Because her entire existence was actually just a time anomaly. It right. was something that shouldn't have existed so at all. So if he fixes the universe, she'll probably die. Like, she won't even really die. She'll just never have been born. And yep. he's, like, having trouble with it. And so there's this scene where she's talking to him and he says, like, I can't do it. Like, I can't just, like, get rid of you. You know, and she says, Josh Kirby, stop being so selfish. You were talking about like the entire universe, like everyone who's ever existed. I am nothing in comparison to all of this. And she like makes him do the thing that like sends them all back to their times. Which is stuff you don't see a lot. Self-sacrifice, that kind of thing. Like, you know, the universe is more important than I am, which is something that it can take teenagers a little while to learn. Teens, am I right? Teens. Also in this scene, Prism opens its mouth and speaks words. <laughs> it Easily is... the most horrifying, like, 30 seconds in all of cinema. Hold on. Let me play it for you. <laughs> is this the right thing to do? Of course, Josh Kirby. That's why I'm here. Go ahead, Josh. Take it. Oh, God. I had kind of been tuning out at this movie. <laughs> I was working and stuff. But then when this happened, I was instantly back okay. and horrified. Like, Prism is awful. Yeah, Prism's terrible. He's the real villain. He's the real villain. <laughs> cool. So, all right. So we're now we're, like, done with this whole thing. Almost. Except that Josh Kirby... So, all right. He blips it back to the right time stream. Everything goes back to normal. Everything is in its place. He's back at high school, crushing on Charisma Carpenter... When out of nowhere, he's being bullied by his bully, whose name is something like Duke Dudley or something like that. It's like a big, meaty, sweaty <laughs> it is guy. definitely Duke. So this girl comes up, and it's Azabeth. And she kicks the guy in the nuts, and he runs away. And, and uh, she breaks his hand. Oh, she breaks his hand, right? Which is a little <laughs> bit more graphic. Josh is like, oh my god, Azabeth, like, you're here. And she's like, no, my name's Elizabeth, haha. And it turns out, like, you know, something about the time stream, whatever. It's never really super clear whether it's actually Azabeth and she's pretending or whether it's just, like, a different person. I'm pretty sure it is not actually Azabeth. It okay. just it is Azabeth's body, but she does not know who she actually but is. But the thing is... They walk away and they're holding hands and they've known each other for like three seconds. He just he just asked her to lunch for the first time, so you know. He's moving things a little fast here. He asked her to lunch and then he's holding her hand? God. Yeah, man. He needs to back Maybe, off. Uh, yeah, he needs to slow down. Slow your roll, Josh Kirby. End of story. That was the whole show. It was a great learning experience. I'm really glad I went back and revisited it. How about you? I am extremely glad I went back and revisited it. Like, this is much more 
like fun and sort of complicated than I thought it was. I remember it being like super low budget, super boring, and just like altogether bad. But boy, I really enjoyed some episodes, such as the Trapped on Toy World is like really awesome. That some of the themes in Last Battle for the Universe are just like super good. I would definitely recommend watching this, maybe even like in your teens, you know? Like I feel like we were watching it when we were like 10 and we really didn't understand what was going on. Most of it was going over our heads. But it I seemed think, to like, be aimed at 10 year olds, but I does, think that was a like, bad choice. A lot of it is like aimed at 10 year olds, but like there's a lot of stuff going on that's just like not super comprehensible. So let's discuss the highs and lows of the series. Right. Maddie, what about you? So probably the high of the series for me is when he's sitting on his mom's nightstand watching her sleep and Azabeth comes up to him and is like okay it's time like we have to go and do something and he says like can't we just stay here for another like few hours like he doesn't have any hope or anything he's just like watching his mom sleep and he just wants to be near her and that was pretty fucking touching what about you what's your high my high was uh, in the nightmare forest when Geppetto turns to Josh Kirby and says this is a graveyard (laughs) okay I thought that was the best what about your low my low was the entirety of human pets (laughs) it was a train wreck half of it was another movie and the other half like they did not know what they were doing with that obviously someone was just like what if human pets and someone was like yeah all right let's let's write that movie i guess it just was not well put together no and i think my low was probably when prism opened up his stupid mouth and said horrible (sighs) words oh god and it was just like, no, we could have done without... Actually, you know what? My low point is Prism. Like, they could just have taken that horrible little creature out, and it would have been no, a no, better... No, no, because I really liked the whole manipulation of time stream by Prism, but I feel like they should have focused on that, taken out all of the noises that this horrible creature made. <laughs> you know what? Okay, so I would love to see this make it so that people, like, sought out this movie and, like, tried to watch it at home, and then Corbin Allred, the, care- the guy who played Josh Kirby, maybe, like would, I don't know, give me a call sometime? I know he's a little (laughs) old, but he's pretty fucking heroic, so... He's not that much older than us. He was, like, 14 in 1995 when you were, what, five? Five. So he's a little older. Yeah, that's not that bad. (laughs) Yeah, so Corbin Allred, if you can hear this, love your work. Great character. Give me a call sometime. Oh, no. (laughs) Don't use my podcast to hit on boys, Maddie. Excuse you. I'm sorry. I thought that's what the name of this podcast was, is uh, Maddie Hits on Her Favorite Child Stars. So next time, we've decided that what we want to do is watch these shows that other people have never talked to anyone else who's ever watched this show like we want of course every kid has that show that they watched as a kid that no one else really knew about and that you kind of forgot about it for a long time until you were like wait a minute i watched that really weird thing when i was a kid everybody's got one of those and we want to hear about them so So if you have one send us an email at abby.howard.art at gmail.com yeah abby spelled a-b-b-y so send us your shows and we'll watch the whole thing and give it a nice big long review like this one we care about your childhood memories on the sister and we will find the good in anything absolutely we can find the the good in josh kirby (laughs) we can find the good in anything we sat through all these movies are an hour and a half granted half an hour of them is catching up but that should say something about us if we manage to watch five of these movies dedication it's our watchword. yes we're into your shit yep all right great play us out abby (laughs) 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 (laughs)